What the Xbox do to you? Don't be blaming everything on Xbox. Okay, so well, the Xbox is the reason why I remember what time it was. I was um I was showing my daughter Saints Row, and because I guess Skype is on the Xbox, I saw Rashani. I mean, I saw Jay type yo, and I was like, oh shit, it's time. So I went to the computer, and the fucking Skype on the computer is acting just like Skype. Well, yeah, we're kind of used to it at this point. Question. And and already my um my internet has cut out twice today. Uh, is it raining morning. out there? No. Huh. So if my internet cuts out, I'll be back. Okay. Thanks for threatening us. Um. <clears throat> question. Something that I just realized. Fuck and fuck Alex Smith. I'm Rick James, bitch. No, you're not. You're Alex Smith. You dink and dunk your way to great jokes. Rick James sure. just flames out quickly and 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 second and over talks himself and uh, like within three seconds of saying something, he's contradicting himself. You've one of the baddest motherfuckers of all time. I don't put my feet on this couch. What I like putting my feet up on this couch. So yeah, I put my feet up on this couch. <laughs> That's like the best thing ever. I never did things just to do them. Yeah, yeah, I put his feet on this couch. I don't know why. (laughs) Something I was thinking about uh, just now when you started talking about showing uh, Pooh Bear, which, by the way, shots out to you, Pooh. Um, You're never going to hear this. Um, You should never hear this. Not until way later when we're all dead. Yeah, play this at, I hope they play this at our funerals. Remember when no, they said this? No. And everybody no. laughs and throws My trash. Respectful, sir. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I want any of this to, I'm to gonna be. I'm going to put fun back in funeral, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Heidi ho! <laughs> um, but no, I'll, I'll, oh, you funnel cakes talking and... about Saints Row, it made me think. In this generation, our generation... Do you think that passing on a love of a certain video game and a certain song is part of our legacy? Is that part of us passing down our legacy? Because I did make sure that my kids saw certain movies. And when certain games came out or certain games I was playing on, like, the PlayStation 4, like, uh, 
when classic games became available, I really did make sure that they saw them, you know, and, and, and Tecmo Super Bowl, you know, and Mike Tyson's punch out. I made sure that they saw how difficult it was to beat Mike Tyson. I even recorded that and put it on Facebook, but, um, I think that's like a relatively new thing that we can do. Cause like before, if you loved a movie, you really couldn't share it with somebody if it wasn't in theaters, you know, like there was no streaming services. And before like even rentals tapes, like I think this is something that we just got the ability to do where like we can share like movies that we love with uh, people we love. Like, you know, one of the th- think- most, most fun things for me is, and I'm almost done, my bad. One of my no, favorite things that I've, I've been able to do has been like, to share movies that I love that my girlfriend hasn't seen with her. Mm-hmm. Like we watched aliens together and it was like, Oh my God, I'm so excited for the fact that you're going to get to see this for the first time. So I think that's something we can do now that we couldn't before. I think it's, um, more of a thing for me. I don't know necessarily for everybody else. I think it's more of a thing for me is because my father didn't do that for me. And I I feel the need to correct that because I would have I would have I don't know a whole lot about my dad like the things that he liked and stuff like that I know that he was a marine so he really loves Full Metal Jacket um and like really? the military yes uh, really? all marines all marines love Full Metal Jacket they like just for it. the I guess just for the first part like just for the boot camp they love it because that that movie turned sideways after boot camp yes it did. But remember, my dad was also drafted and wanted to go to Vietnam and couldn't. Oh. Wanted to? Yes. That's a hardcore... You know what? I mean, he was... Yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. That is a boss nigga. (laughs) He wanted to fight, but my uncle was already there. Like, hey, hey, hey. Vietnam's happening? Send me. But that's. I'm still getting the soundboard set up. I like okay. that it played twice though. It was it was like a remix. It was like I heard oh, it the first the, time. With the, with the new soundboard, I can actually play one song and then loop another one into it at the same time. So, so we upgraded. But no, I don't want to get off of this. What your your dad wanted to go? Why? Well, I mean, he was he was already there. He was already trained. He was ready to go, but my uncle was there, so they wouldn't let him go. Because you know all those rules about brothers. Yeah. And, you can't, well, no, you can't be the last of your bloodline. Basically, your bloodline can't get wiped out fighting in a drafted war. Now, is this at the beginning of the like? As soon as Vietnam started, he was like, "I'm going over." Was this later on in the in the conflict, or do you? No, know? remember, is it had to be at least a little bit later on because he was drafted. Mm. So they didn't draft immediately for it. I don't think anyone really knew how bad Vietnam was, though. Not right, until way t- later. Yes. I mean, there's because even when people came back and they told stories, a lot of folks were like, "Nah, nigga, it wasn't that bad." But it was terrible for them. And I feel like I feel like only really people who were there knew how bad it was. Yeah, only people that experienced it actually like, like really felt it. And but it was hard to convey, mm-hmm. especially at the time. Like, you, you, 
like it, it like like he just said like when people came back they're trying to explain like how fucked up this really is and it's like eh, is right. it really yeah, it, 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 in my mind it would be hard enough to talk about how you went over like if this is your first assignment your first deployment I guess is what it's called that's what my daddy used to tell me but um, if this is your first time touching down, it's shell shocking enough to tell somebody what it was like to see one person die. But to go out there and see maybe all your friends die, and then you're killing people, and then there's civilians who are getting horrible things done to them, and ho- civilians doing horrible things to y'all, I would never want to talk about it again. And it took me a long time to really think about everything that you would see as a person and how that would affect you. Just that would give me nightmares, yo. Real talk. Yeah. Like you're talking to somebody one night and the next night you're standing right next to them. Like literally you're standing right next to them and they catch a bullet and you're still alive. Just the guilt of you being alive while they're no longer alive would eat away at you for a long time. Yeah, there there were people who talked about how they would go to war with people who, you know, they were close with when they were in boot camp together. In some cases, they grew up together and they would see him literally get mowed down and they wouldn't. And they would first feel like ecstatic that they didn't die and then immediately feel guilty that they felt happy about their friend dying. Survivors remorse. Yeah, like just that cocktail of emotions while by the way, people are still trying to kill you. You're still trying to like survive like, to have to bring all of that back. And in some cases, you know, try to explain that to, to who, who's going to exp- understand it. Who's going to, and, and you know, that was about the time that like support groups started coming to come, came about at, because they just, they're the only person they could talk to about it were people who went through it. And without some mediation, they would still just be going further and further into insanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can yes and 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 they talk about how it, it it's not an anomaly that right after Vietnam the usage of heroin and horse in black areas just spiked well, yeah but you need something to get that out of your head just like oh my god and then to come back home and realize that you're still a nigger to like people in your own neighborhood. You had get, to be infuriating, man. Right? No love, no respect. People are protesting the war that you went to. They're openly calling you a nigger. And not willingly, by the way. They drafted you. Exactly. Sent you away. Called you a nigger when you left. Called you a nigger while you were there. And then called you a nigger when you came back. When you were the one who went out there and fought for all of them. When they couldn't make decisions, when they were, and let's be honest, the most mishandled war in America is the Vietnam War. It was one of the worst strategic battles that America's ever fought. And even it's the, the legitimate retreat was poorly designed. And the losses were the losses of a poorly designed campaign. So to have to go as a black man, be forced to go for a country that won't stand up for you to see other black people and other white people die for a country that 
mis, you know, mistreats them even in their death to come back injured or, you know, to, in, in most cases injured or, or, you know, still traumatically altered. And then to have to face the same animosity towards you after I, I went and, and there's people who, who did not go to go fight in this war, who, who did not go experience this, experience this, who are telling them, telling me I can't fucking sit down at a counter to eat my goddamn lunch. Like, like, how do you come back to that and not just lose your shit immediately? Yeah, I mean, and and it's and some of it is 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 it's I mean, it's, there's a lot of that, but then some of it is um, even worse, especially because a lot of times when you go to the military or get drafted or something like that, you're so young. I was a few years ago. Um, Sherry's cousin was in the reserves and her and a group of her friends got stationed um, in uh, Newport News in Fort Eustis um, for like they did they look the, the two week bid thing. Uh-huh. So we went out and um, when they had some time off, we uh, went and we did a tour in Williamsburg. Um, you know, Colon- Colonial Williamsburg and we went to a winery and uh, one of the young ladies that was with them um, was not 21 yet. And she's like, had, I mean, she had like a complete meltdown when they told her that she couldn't drink. And it's like, yo, I'm, I'm old enough to go somewhere and die for you, but I can't. I can't participate in a wine tasting. And she had a complete meltdown. Like, I mean, it's it's something like so that part of it is small. But like when you think about it it, from the perspective of like someone who is tasked to go and die because rich people got beef. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's huge to her. And like I said, she had a complete meltdown. And and. But then you think about that from from that perspective. She had a meltdown because she couldn't drink. And then think about like having how you feel because you go fight and you see people die and then you come back and shit still fucked up for you and 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 everyone around you. Y'all y'all all come back fucked up and then you have to deal with the fact that you're black. And you can't find jobs because you're black and you come back from the war and you can't get a house for your family in an area that's safe because you're black or you can't even get a house for your family because you're black and you like when you come back to that kind of nonsense where if you go to the wrong neighborhood at night people will jump you and lynch you like why the fuck would I even go fight in the first place which which is why if you notice uh, like a lot of dissenters just went conscientious objector our conscientious objector pardon and just went to jail like no fuck it Muhammad Ali amongst them like I'll just go do jail time for this I'm not I'm not gonna go die for a country that won't stand up for me yeah I, I couldn't think of the actual line but it's ain't no whatever call me a nigger like that's the line I yeah. probably should look that up first. It's a uh, Viet Cong. Okay. Yeah. 
That's some real shit, bro. Yeah, and so he he went to jail, got stripped like got stripped of his uh, title, was was legitimately booed, <laughs> underwent a, a whole new round of fresh racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and gotcha. I I was and I almost I almost went to the military like I was there, ready to go, and at the last minute I decided I didn't want to do it. Bruh, that reminds me. Oh my god. <laughs> So the latest, you know, the latest coaches meeting just happened um, on fuck Thursday, I think. Yeah, Thursday uh, for the one of the basketball leagues that I coach in. And um, first of all, the administrator of the league sends out a text message to everybody saying the meeting is at six. You may want to start showing up at two because people get there early to stand outside to sign in. So then they can, this is about selecting your practice time. And first come, first serve. So people get in line and sign in and stuff like that. He said you may want to get there at 2. Meetings start at 6, but folks get there early. It's a whole thing. So anyways, again, it's important that you hear that he said meeting starts at 6. You may want to get there at 2. He told me to be there at noon so then I could sign people in. I was like, all right, no problem. I work. I usually get off at like 2.30 anyway. I'll just take some time off after my lunch. I get there at noon to get told that the first person got there at eight o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Whoa. <laughs> and Do sign their name jobs? on a piece of paper, like a, a, like a notebook piece of paper, put their name on a notebook piece of paper and stuck it. This is that the, the meeting is held at a church that has a gym. It has an auxiliary gym. And then it has a regular like black, church you know the small one story <laughs> just long mm-hmm. as fuck shotgun church shotgun shack church and so this guy got there I have at one o'clock. question this guy got there at eight o'clock and took a piece of paper and wrote his name on it and taped it to the sanctuary door well like that heavy tape that when you try and pull it off it leaves marks and stickiness on the glass so that happened. What kind of disrespectful okay. shit is that? Yeah. Also, my, my, my question was, you answered it. My question is, if you get there at eight and you don't stay the whole time, nothing you do is valid. Like, that's bullshit. You can't show up at eight, sign, and then walk the fuck off. No, fuck you. But you have wait. to stay the whole time. But wait. She, the, um, they put their paper on there and walk away. Some other people get there at like 10 o'clock. And the manager of the church, the building manager is there. And rather than have people, cause she hasn't seen the paper that's stuck on the sanctuary door. Cause this guy put it on the door, took a picture of it, sent it to the administrator and said first at eight Oh five. So he texted me at like 11, like, yo, what time are you going to the church? And I was like, I want to be there noon. And he was like, <laughs> and he was like, somebody already got there at eight Oh five. That's like a, a real life YouTube comment. Oh yes. my God. The balls. Yes. So again, in this text message, the administrator sent out, he said, get there at two at two o'clock at the earliest. He said, don't stick anything on doors. This dude got there at eight o'clock, stuck something on the door, sent it to him, said first. So he said, if you when you get there at noon, there's something on the door. They're going to be first. I was like, all right, cool. So I brought my list and I'm just like, "Okay, so I'm going to put these two people at the top and then I'm going to be third. That's what I'm thinking. I get there and there's a woman sitting in the parking lot. 
And she's like, yeah, there's the list over there. And I was like, wait, what? And um, turns out that another 13 people had gotten there between 8.05 and noon when I got there and had signed their name onto a list. And then another guy showed up midway after they had all signed up and taken that list and made a new list. But the woman saw him taking that list, so she took a picture of the old list just in case. Uh So I'm transcribing all this stuff onto there. And I'm like, you know what? All these people who signed their name on this list, none of them are there except for this one woman. So me and her are talking. She's a really cool person, real nice person. And um, I'm like, yeah, I got to be here to make sure that the sign-ins go well from here on out. And she's like, all right, cool. I'm going to go back to work. She was like, everybody else is leaving. And I was like, that's, that's, that's true. That's what's up. So um, as she leaves, people start arriving. And I was like, and they were like, damn, people are already signed up. And I was like, yeah, first person signed up at 8.05. And they were like, that's not fair. That's not how it should be, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, right, I feel you. That's what it said in the rules. But here, go ahead and sign in. The good thing about it is now you don't have to come back till 6 o'clock because there's a list. So everybody signs in and they leave. I'm sitting in the parking lot from noon until 4 o'clock, 4.30, which isn't a big deal because I got air conditioning, I got water, and I got the magicians. Um, So at 4 o'clock, the manager comes out and says, hey, the doors are open if y'all want to come inside. And we're like, cool, because it's like 98 degrees outside, and I don't want to waste my gas and my battery and everything, so thank you. We go inside. Meeting is supposed to start at 6 o'clock. The administrator of the league gets there at like 4.45 and is like, where is everybody whose name is on this list? And I was like, they started at 8.05. You knew that. You texted me. And um, he was like, for sure. And he was going to just start writing in the, uh, he was like, it's disappointing that they're not here though. And he was just going to go off the list or whatever. His wife comes in behind him. Who's really, you know, the actual voice of the league. She's the, he's the voice. She's the power. And she was like, nope, we're not going to do that. There were five of us who were sitting in the sanctuary at that time. And she was like, here's how we're going to do it. One, two, three, four, five. And so some of these dudes were like number 55 on the list. They jumped up to number four and number five. People started showing up at six o'clock. Thinking that they were going to have the space that they had when they signed in at eight o'clock. And got told that they were now number 40 instead of number eight. And they were pissed. They were looking at me like he said we could go home. And Mickey was like, you're grown. Or the administrator was like, you're grown. Um, you don't have to do what somebody else tells you to do. And they were looking at me like I was growing horns. And I was like, they're going to be really mad when they find out I jumped from number 13 to number two. So I um, took my sign in and, and picked my practice time and ran for the door. Because all these white folks were in there like, this is some garbage. This is ridiculous. I just followed this the rules of what that guy over there told me to do. Shit. But before they got to the point, before it all fell apart in that meeting, everybody who was coming at like 2 o'clock and after was like, he should just strike all the people who didn't get here before 2 o'clock and just start the list right here and go on down. Because that's what's fair and that's what's right. And then when he did it, they were pissed. That whole story was just a thing about how white privilege works. Yep. Honestly, though, thinking you could show up at eight in the morning, <laughs> tape your name to the door like you own it, and then just go about the rest of your day like, yeah. And then uh, my favorite was 
they took a picture of it and texted it to the league administrator like that's right bitch 805 nigga and just went about the rest of their day like yeah my place is secure like nah if you had went there at eight and then just stayed and stayed and stayed then what who could say you know to you yeah like well he's been here since eight o'clock he sacrificed his whole day who's gonna tell him no to that number one spot but nigga, you can't just fake the work that's like that's bullshit like you didn't get there at eight you got there when you got there when your presence is not there you can't claim eight that's what i say so if he had got there and stayed cool give him number one Just, thank you, yeah. thank you for agreeing with me. Soundboard styles, it was, it's a little low. Okay, thank you. Nice. Okay. Um, opposite complaint now. <laughs> little loud. <laughs> too loud. Too loud. Okay. okay. How about this? Nice. There you go. You got a Goldilocks. It. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. That's the middle bed and the middle porridge. Wait, no. <laughs> The last but, port pole. So the uh, woman left because she went to work. She was right. like, "Yeah, I, I, I." Some folks came from like a suburb that's like ten, fifteen miles outside of where this church was to sign in, sign their time that they got there, and then left. She came, signed in, waited for me to go get something to eat. Waited with the clipboard for me to go get something to eat. When I got back, she said, okay, you got this now. And she left. All these nice people got screwed. And they were all looking at me like it was my fault. And I was like, dang, they going to fuck my kids up. Not like by score. They're just going to injure the shit out of my kids. And then I realized that's not a nice thing to think about people. Like they're going to be upset at me, but they're not going to take it out on the kids. But they damn sure ain't going to shake my hand. But people aren't nice. I'm, I'm learning that. Also, yeah, like I would, I would have my eyes out all the time for intentional files or just really dirty plays. Yep. Because people like you think people won't like it won't even be the people. You have to understand that like what the coaches feel about the other teams and each other kind of emanates off of them. So if they start building them like this is our rival. This is the team that stole our practice spot. This is the team, that, and, and they just start like just feeding this into like animus into them during practices. The kids may just start doing stuff that's dirty because like yeah, we fucking hate these kids. Yeah, and like they may just kind of take on that same attitude. So it may not even be purposeful on the coach's part. It's just the animus of how they feel towards you can leak into what they tell the team to hype them up. At some point, you have to scrap the whole sign-in shit and just do a draft. How about this? The person who got the worst spot last year gets first choice this year. No, nah, we're just going to go to a lottery. Yeah, I guess that makes more sense. And if you, if, you, um, if you have more than one team, if you coach more than one team, you get preference. Like, they'll just be three different more. lotteries. One for, if you have three teams, you get first preference. So your numbers will go into a hat and then they'll pull those ones. If you have two teams, your number will go into the hat after the people with three teams choose their practices. The people with two teams will go through the same thing, and then whoever only has one team will be in the general lottery. 
that's probably the fairest way to do it and it encourages people to uh become coaches yeah 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 i was gonna say or, or like i guess a weighted system but that feels like too much math so this this makes more sense mm-hmm. and it's easier for people who don't <laughs> yeah yeah because even if you have a weighted system there's that chance with someone with like one one team just gets the best spot. It's like, yes, mm-hmm. suck it to a bunch of people who have like four teams. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, what were the chances of him getting it? Well, it was actually 33.333 repeating, you know, Leroy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As soon as that happens, that's, that's how, uh, uh, what the Spurs ended up with Tim Duncan, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just the odds dropped, and they were like, "What? Yes, we'll take Tim Duncan. Fuck all y'all. We're gonna reign forever." <laughs> right. We already had David Robinson. We'll just make him a power forward. Fuck it. Middle finger, middle finger, middle finger. <laughs> I remember how. Remember how mad people were when uh, the Cavaliers got the number one pick two seasons in a row. I think they got Kyrie Irving the first season, and then yeah. everyone was like, "How? That's such luck that they got the number one pick." Twice in a yeah. row, and then the second time they picked the, Anthony Bennett's yeah. bum ass. Oh, right, man. right. It's like they and heard everybody in the league about anymore. It. They heard everybody complaining about it. Like, don't, no, but, no, 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 don't worry. We're gonna waste this second one. We're gonna waste it. Best one is when uh, the Magic got the number one pick two seasons in a row, and the first time around they picked Shaquille. Wait, no, they got like the number three pick yeah. the second time around and picked Chris Webber, and then traded him for Penny Hardaway. But they were still pissed that they got like a high pick when they had Shaquille O'Neal already. Man, Shaquille was a beast with them too. Yeah, he was. He still but, ran but, court. But, but, but Penny was cold, but like injuries, like injuries yeah. really fucked his so career. One year though, they were like, because they had Nick Anderson. I remember because Nick, if Nick Anderson hadn't missed those free throws, they would have beat throw. the Bulls and gone to the. If he had missed that free throw, that they were up, and they would, they probably would have tried to keep that team together. That's when Penny Anderson's, uh, Penny Anderson, Penny Hardaway's, uh, like fucking injury started catching up with him. Because the year after that, he got hurt and was out for like a huge chunk of the season, and then Shaq left to go to the Lakers. The year after that, it was just man, man, they had such a good team. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about Anderson, though. Do you have any memories of him actually shooting the ball? You just knew yes. that he had crazy handles. No. <laughs> yeah, but like I have no memories of him actually scoring. I just know I had a lot of memories. Of, I had a lot of memories, and, and everyone did because I think he at the time he was an eighty-seven percent free throw shooter for his career. We all had a lot of memories of him hitting free throws. God damn it, that's all he had to do. <laughs> I remember, like, because I remember really wanting the Bulls to uh, lose that year. I mean. They won enough. Like they're gonna win more, whatever. And like Shaq was just, man, he just abused them, man. Like he just, it's and it was just the beginning of like him really starting to be dominant too. That was what was crazy about it. Like like he just fucking him. I can't remember. I think it was Bill Cartwright that they had at that time. He just fucking, ugh, just worked Cartwright to death, man. I think that was Andy Cartwright's career. And Cartwright had that ugly ass shot. Hey, hey, that's, hey, that's hey, one thing. We're not going to besmirch Bill Cartwright, <laughs> Elk Grove legend, has a gym out here with his name on it, and a classic <laughs> tournament that happens every year. Now his jumper was horrible. Like when you tell kids, that's the reason why I don't tell kids that they need to fix their shot. Because fuck it, <laughs> you can make it. Right. 
Because right. how, how how is that just not getting blocked every time? He <laughs> holds it at like crotch level when he shoots it. Nigga, not only him. <laughs> we grew up in the era where there was Bill Cartwright and Sleepy Sam Perkins, nigga. I, uh, I'm not going to tell these kids nothing about their shots. Our, our Vita Sabonis with that right. laser shot. Right. It didn't have any arch at all. No arches. As hard as he could throw it at the basket. That nigga <laughs> shot like they had taken his shoulders off. <laughs> it would slice through the nets. It would just cut them in half every shot. They had to be like, oh, we got to replace the net. He yeah. he switched the net too hard. Yeah, he's, he's, he shot the ball like his wrist didn't bend back. <laughs> <laughs> that nigga shot the ball like he was a foosball table participant. Just all he could do was flip. Flip. <laughs> As hard as he could, man. Oh my god. No one, no one could block it. People would get their hands on it just because it still couldn't stop it. Well, they would get their hands on it and get their fingers broken. Ah! Oh, yet another player is injured by just trying to touch the shot of a Venus opponent. <laughs> on the NBA Jam, they say he's on fire. And everybody be like, oh no, not this. <laughs> Yeah, when they try to do the oh that that didn't exist for him, it's like oh tsh, oh okay uh, okay oh oh god, Arvita Sabonis' shot was just he was wonderful, and and just the passes that he would make <clears throat> and the skills that he had is the number one reason why I tell folks don't worry about your shot, you'll get that just from being out there playing because the worst thing I think coaches do to players nowadays is try and fix their shot in the way that they think it should be. Reggie uh, Miller's shot it... Reggie Miller's shot was his hands collapsing over one another. He was making the X motion every time he shot. Yeah, but I mean like I think there's something to be said for like you you're correct. Everybody has their own shot. I, I think it's some of the best shooters are the ones who have like the most pure shoot shooting form like Ray Allen and how long he was able to play, I think, really was just he had a pure form when he shot. And, like, even Steph Curry has, like, a really nice form. Or Clay Thompson is a better example. Like, I think it's just the form that, like, is what keeps you consistent. So, like, you're correct, though. Like, you don't have to be a shooter to be great and make it to the NBA. But if, you're, if your thing is your shot, I think you form is a huge thing. Like, if, if all you can do is shoot. I feel like if your coach is like, let's correct his shot, it's, it's them saying, like, he can't, he's not very fast. He can't jump very high. His hands are terrible. We're really going to have to get him to shoot. Lonzo Ball. <laughs> we need to correct his shot. His shot's got to be pure. That nigga that's what... daddy said that it was still his team. Like, yo, yo. Okay, he was but, like, but here's he was, he's, this nigga straight up said, like, Alonzo didn't go to the Cavaliers. LeBron came here. This this still ours. Like, nigga, if you don't get the fuck but, out of here. But, but here's the thing. Unpopular opinion. He's not wrong. Like, <laughs> it's his no, no, here's team the, until LeBron gets on the court. It's his team well, until LeBron gets. It's his house LeBron, until LeBron gets the keys. <laughs> like LeBron is LeBron is dominant, and I think they're gonna run a lot of plays through him. But let's not forget, like of the two assets, I think if you're gonna or if you're gonna keep Lonzo Ball, it only helps him if he gets better. And so LeBron, I would hope, would also would want to like let him get a chance to continue to to improve. Like even when Kyrie was playing with him, he would step back and let Kyrie be Kyrie. And I think 
the best part about LeBron is if you asked him, he would say like, no, we're the Lakers. It's everybody's team. And I don't think he's going to try to take over and control a team as much as it is as just try to let the guys around him like improve and grow and expand. Especially because going to the Lakers means he absolutely doesn't care about winning anymore. <laughs> he, he cares about he cares about he cares about all of the stuff that he can get from being in LA. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. That, that's got to be it. <laughs> He's like, you know what? If I never go to the championships again, I, I could take a couple. I could take some months off from playing basketball. That would be great. I've been playing nonstop for the last ten years. <sighs> Poor LeBron. He, he's literally making sure he doesn't make it to the playoffs. <laughs> he's like, I just, I just want to have like a month off, y'all. Like, I feel like, I feel like this team we can make a real playoff run, so it doesn't really hurt my legacy too much. But like, if we lose, nobody's surprised. No, no, no. one's shocked. He was like, you know what? Real talk, Magic. Um, hey, hey, buddy, hey, Magic. If look, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna sign. I'm going to sign a four-year contract, okay? I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. If the first season, we could just start off with an appetizer, maybe <laughs> Rajon Rondo and, I don't know, uh, Lance Stevenson, uh, I think that that would be a good way for me to be able to recharge myself. So then in the next season, when we get Kawhi Leonard and everybody, I'm ready to just barrel into the playoffs, do you think that like like people will be excited because I'm here and they won't notice that everybody else around me is literally a trough of shit and um we can push that and I can get rest because I'll play every minute in the regular season if I can get the entire playoffs off just for that first year. Can I write that into the contract? No, it seems suspect. So what we're gonna do, just get Is Arvita Sabonis still playing? Yeah. Can we give Lottie? Get them all on yeah. one year contracts. Sign them, and then me and the kids, Lonzo and uh, Brandon and, you know, all of us, Kyle, we'll be okay after that. Just give me a few. I just need to rest my eyes (laughs) for a little bit longer. Wake me up in June. I just need to rest my eyes. That's all I need. I feel like I really do. Like like I, I might buy into the theory that he might just be like, look. Let's just make it to the playoffs. Maybe first round. If we get mad, once we match up against the Warriors and we get beat, no one's gonna like question it. And then I'm just gonna take like a couple months off. And then like, hey, I'm gonna spend some time with my kids. <laughs> I'm gonna relax these legs. It's gonna be great. And honestly, I would like to see him get some months off. I feel if he did this to take some time off and pursue other things, hooray. Hooray for LeBron. Please take some time off from basketball. That for is basketball. beautiful. I mean, people, this is the same way that uh, Greg Popovich did it when he was like, I'm going to sit out. When they uh, made players play like three games back to back to back after the strike or made them play two games back to back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, I'm sitting out all my stars because one of them has a cut on their elbow. The other one bent his finger back really far earlier just to prove he could. Another one's toe was itchy, and he didn't even make up, like, good reasons. He was just like, one of them just has arthritis in the knee. <laughs> and so his entire starting six, like, not even the starting five, the starting five and six. the six man would all sit out the game for, like, the next three games and then come back refreshed, and they won the division. 
Yeah. And, and to be fair, that was because the, his starting six at that time, I think they were all over like 32. Yeah. <laughs> so he was like, I'm he could have just been like, all of my starting six are over 30. We're all taking the next two games off. We're we going to, to Cabo. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, we're not doing this this three games a night bullshit. Get get out of here. We're, we're done. We're done. And honestly, to me, that was some of the best coaching. Yeah. Like, for him to say, you know what? I value my the safety and health of my players more than I value your opinion. So they're going to sit out. And if you paid money for this, you're still seeing a basketball game. Uh-huh. And, and again, still a pro-level game. Mm-hmm. And it, people who were getting mad about that, that, that felt real slave-like. We paid money, and I tried out the niggers. Like, mm-hmm. Mm, no, I'm not sure if I'm in for that. I'm not going to do that. But uh, what we will do is they're going to sit down and you're going to shut the fuck up. If you sit yeah. close enough to them, maybe they'll give you an autograph. It'll be nice. Or tell you where they uh, got their suit from. You know, they got good fashion sense, but they ain't playing today. So you can go fuck yourself. And and I'll be a real jerk and say, like, if you really want to see them play, well, you know what those playoff games and what those like playoff implication games look like. So, buy those tickets. Yeah, we're gonna be rested. <laughs> we we're ready for the playoffs. And fuck this, fuck this regular season shit. You can win the regular season all you want to. Hey, the the team with the record for the most regular season wins lost the championship. So, yeah. Hey, hey, hey! You, yeah. you hey? Remember when the Patriots won the championship after going undefeated through the regular season? Oh. Oh, oh, damn. Mm. Man, the crazy thing is they were, well, up until that point, everyone thought they were unstoppable. They it were was amazing, insane. bruh. Like, that's the kind of It was insane. Remember when Madden was no, actually good? No, fuck that shit. Remember when Madden Check. was actually good and, and they had the, um, you could do the fantasy league season where you could, like, draft players, and then after you drafted the players, you would have, like, a season with that team? Yeah. And the number one killer at that time was going to be if you could get Randy Moss and Tom Brady on on the same team. And it happened in real life, dog. And it was fucking incredible. Yeah, but I still say, please check the bank accounts of the players and the families of everybody that was on that offensive line. Because that offensive line did an amazing job all season. They get to the Super Bowl, and Tom Brady is running for his fucking life. (laughs) He was running for his fucking life, but it was still working. It was still, like, it wasn't even their fault that they lost. It was that nigga with the helmet catch. Like, up until that point, they were spectacular. And Randy was wonderful. And then that the the wide fucking open Plexico Burns. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was <laughs> wide open. Like there was no one near him for that last touchdown. Nobody. Uh, and then he fucking shot himself and fucked his whole career. Right. <laughs> like like, hey, you shoot yourself, and then you go to jail for it, and then nobody wants to sign you, but you shot yourself. But that kicker uh, over there abused his wife for years, and we're just going to let that slide. Dum, 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 dum. Well, one uh, of them is black. 
Also, I love that he shot himself, didn't injure himself in the type of way that would prevent him from playing. And people are still like, no, you you, you can't play for us anymore. Though, <laughs> <laughs> so if you are going to own an unlicensed firearm, you shouldn't. So that's the lesson here is license your firearms. Uh, make, and also make sure they have safeties. Make sure your firearm has a safety. Do not carry on your person without a holster a firearm that does not have a safety. It is unsafe both for you and those around you. And if you do carry a like firearm that. without a safety on it, make sure you carry Ray Lewis around with you so then he can intimidate the other witnesses to not talk. <sighs> sure. Um, and also, like, didn't, didn't that happen? I don't know if we spoke about this here or not. The the FBI agent that was at the wedding? Oh, the nigga who did the backflip and shot somebody? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gun popped out. It was like this. Uh, Stand back, everybody. I'm about to do this back. <laughs> yeah, that's actually exactly what happened. <laughs> One, two, me, me, I'm sorry. Actually, it went like this. Hold on. Let me see if I got this. Uh... He was dancing so hard too. At first, it's like, oh, look at that, he's showing out. And then as he does the backflip, you see his gun pop out. It's like, oh no! And then I'm like, it's not gonna shoot. It's not gonna fire. That's crazy. And then as soon as it hits the ground, it goes off. You're like, oh no! Yeah, and it was like an oh no situation, not an everybody run situation. White people. Everything was oh no though, because like at first I'm like, you probably shouldn't be dancing with a gun. Like, but he's got it like secure. And then, like, you see him, like, get really into it, and then he backflips, like, oh, wait, that gun's not going to... And then it comes out, and you're like, oh, no. And then it hits the ground, it's like, it's not going to go off. It goes off, like, oh, God. And then you look, it's like, no one got hit, right? And then you realize, no, someone did. It's every single thing that could go wrong just does right there. It's like everything. My coworker, oh. uh, my coworker said that uh, he was at a funeral, um, he was, he used to be about that life in his younger years. He's like 50 something now, but he used to be about that life. Uh, he went to a funeral for one of his, um, I guess gangster buddies. And, um, homies. of course his homies, he went, he went to one of the, uh, homies funerals. And while at the funeral, there's police and all that kind of stuff there because of course a bunch of gangsters are showing up to this funeral. Um, he said his gun fell and went off in the funeral. Oh, no. And he said he had just bought it. I can't remember what kind of gun he said it was, but he said, I am just going to pretend like it wasn't me and I am never going to touch that gun ever again. He said he left it right where the fuck it was and went home through the rest of the funeral like won't shit wrong and got the fuck out of there as soon as he possibly could. Oh, it didn't hit anybody, but it did go off. Oof! One gun salute. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I can't even imagine like just the. Oh my god! Like that, that just makes my heart start beating fast. Like oh god! Like if I just being a black person at a wedding, seeing all this police presence around me. And hearing a gun go off, like, that just, like, I'm immediately terrified. Like, oh, my God, they're going to kill us all. It's happening. I knew it was going to happen. Hey, I was terrified at a situation much, much less than that. 
I was at a funeral and my sister's phone went off during one of the prayers. I was just thinking, yeah, that, that's like a lightning strike from God. The pastor or... will stop praying to look up at you. Like they won't. No, even, but here... it's not even a side eye. It's just an above the glasses look. No, everybody turned around. I was sitting right next to her, and what what had happened was uh, the funeral had happened on a normal uh, work day for her, so she had an alarm set up. Um, and so we're they're praying. We're all ba- had our heads bowed, and all of a sudden. She had me saying, throw ya, throw ya, throw ya, throw ya, throw ya, in the middle of a funeral. <laughs> and it, it, there was, there is not a moment where I thought a phone could be louder. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that's, I've never had a phone go off during a funeral. But I've been at funerals where a phone has gone off and it's always like the most inappropriate songs. <laughs> yes. I'm still waiting. Like, I wish there was a song where someone was like, I'm going to live forever. Like, I like fame. Go, I, I want that to go off at a funeral just for the irony of it. No, but, I would tell you. I would tell you. Here's, here's what happened during my aunt's funeral. Um, They had hired a lady to sing the song. And like my my aunt's funeral was a surprise. She died suddenly. It was not a you know it was not she was not previously sick or anything like that. So this hit us all really hard. And she was the first like real like you know person in the family to die in quite some time. So oh, okay. this was so it so it hit us all hard. And we are all like broken. Um, so they hired this lady at the funeral, and she's singing "Open My Heart" the the, the Yolanda Adams joint. Mm-hmm. And we are all sitting there, and we're crying, and we all just kind of start looking at each other, like we're all crying and shit. And it was like she doesn't know the words, does she? So like she's like we're crying and then we all just kind of like you know you, when you look at somebody it was like does she know the words and you kind of make that face like with the, with your with your eyebrows like does she know the words and we're shaking our heads like no I don't think she knows the words and we all just kind of look and like it's almost like we're grieving but we kind of want to laugh at the same time and it's just like the worst possible it's just like the worst possible like um, <laughs> it's the worst possible collision of feelings at that point because she absolutely did not know the words like yo for, and, and like we're all and like for real like and we're in the front row like this is my this is my aunt so like we're all in the like the first couple rows and we're all looking at each other like i don't know what to do here right so i was in a band uh, a long time ago. Wait, uh, wait, it's... wait! No, I have the perfect thing for that. No, it's like the woman's in there singing that song, and then all of a sudden, out of the background, you just hear somebody say, "You don't know what you're doing." Sure, I do. Oh, okay. So I was in a band <laughs> a long time ago, uh, and so like at the time, we didn't have a singer. It was just like a, a keyboardist, a bass player, and a guitar player, and a drummer. So we were looking for a singer. We finally found one and like, you know, she came in and audition. She sang like a heartbreak by uh, Alicia Keys. She killed it. And we we're like, all right, cool. So we book a gig. We like line up a set list. We practice and she doesn't show up for some of the practices. But we we're like, okay, all she's got to do is sing the songs. We know she can sing. 
So we just got to make sure we're on point. She can practice at home. And she says she was doing that, blah, blah. Okay, cool. So the gig is with somebody's wedding, by the way. So we, we're playing someone's wedding. Uh, and we send them like a set list. They, they approve of it. So this is, this is officially a thing we're getting paid for. <laughs> so we go to this person's wedding. It's like, and it's big deal for us. It's like one of our first, like, legitimate, like, we're playing a show. We're doing a gig. It's our first Wait, thing. What were you playing? A uh, bass. Okay. Yeah. I, I. Well, yeah. You you didn't know that. I don't. I don't think that's something. I play guitar. I play guitar and bass. Uh, I'm a much better play, bass player than a guitar player. I'm not that good anymore because I haven't played. Like when I went to Korea, I, I sold my bass and all my stuff. I was like, "Fuck this! I'm not. <laughs> I'm done with this love. This part of my life." And then just kind of vice like, "Yep," <laughs> just kind of moved on. <laughs> but honestly, I kind of want to buy a bass just to like get back into it. I, I, I know honestly, I know a few people uh, who uh, got a bass and started uh, learning how to play through Rocksmith. Yeah, that is a good idea. The the only thing is that like uh, so like you kind of have to learn how to mute all the other strings while you're playing, otherwise it, it sounds really dirty because like all the strings react at the same time. And I think if you start learning to play it like you play a guitar, you kind of start making mistakes so that you don't do that. So like, there's no, still like no, a couple Rocksmith of, has a bass track, you know. So yeah, but I'm saying like, like, does it actually show you the legit hand positions that you need to use? I be, I believe it does, but I that, that's a legit thing that I had to like like. So I played guitar initially, and then I I switched to play bass because because of this band because our guitars uh, kicked my ass, and they were like, well, we don't need two guitars, and I was like, all right, fine, I'll play bass. So I switched to play bass, uh, and, and that's how I ended up playing it. Anyway, let me tell the rest of the story. So we're at this wedding, um, and I'm, I'm playing bass. We start off with, uh, uh, Heartbreak, you know, the, the Lisha Key song, start off our Heartburn, whatever, the, the similar one, super easy. We play that, she kills it, everyone's like, alright, cool, cool, cool. And then we're supposed to play Clocks. Ooh. Alright. Cool. So we start playing Clocks. Again, these are really simple songs to play, by the way. Like, it's not like we're great musicians. It's just we all can play our instruments. We all practice together. So all we need is just for her to play, to sing, you know, the lyrics, the clocks. She starts off with, you know, the first part. Lights go up and then... And I'm like, wait, there's a whole verse there. And she doesn't know the words to the song. And then, like, we're like, all right, cool. We'll just, like, we just turn into a jam out. And she's just, like, like kind of singing. And then occasionally she'll just, she'll just be like, clock, like, sing clocks. Everyone in the band is looking at each other like, oh, fuck. And so, like, and it just devolves with every song on our set list outside of the one that she auditioned with that we, we had at the top, she didn't know, like, maybe she knew the chorus to a couple of them. And we were fucking pissed. We didn't get paid, first of all. <laughs> I mean, I would pay you. <laughs> right. Like, and how could we insist upon it? Like, oh, yeah, we put, we just played a, a medley of songs with, like, one person, like, just fucking jazzing out. <laughs> and then she, she should have just started scatting or something. Like you can't just no, you can't just no, move your way through. No, what she should have done is like because we had a break and we're like, hey, 
Because we actually talked to her. We were like, hey, we, we took a break. And we're like, hey, we'll, we'll be right back. After she fucked up like the second song. We were like, hey, so why don't you just look up? Here's our songs. Look them up on your phone. It's cool. It's cool. Just read them from your phone and sing them that way. She's like, no, no, I got them. I got them. And we were like, no. No, you do not. You do not have them. She's like, no, no, I just forgot the words to those. I'm like, all right, cool. We're not taking another break. We got to keep going. And so we did. And she just continued to fuck up our entire set list. And now I assume we're the worst part of somebody's wedding, which, I mean, hooray for that shit. Um, and we didn't get paid. Uh, and that was the beginning of the end of our band, also. We were all kind of like, fucking pissed after that and we never really did anything else <laughs> so she single-handedly brought our band down i i know how that feels <laughs> so now you now, now you can all know uh, i was in a failed band and now you know the rest I was, of the story i was in another failed band as well what the fuck <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't well i mean after that one failed you got back on the horse and failed again uh, no, it's just another group of friends. Failed who and failed again. It's another group of friends who played. And they're like, "Yeah, we're just looking for somebody to play bass." I'm like, "Cool." They were, we played a couple songs, and then we made up a few songs together, and that was fun. Uh, that one kind of failed because I went to Korea, and I was like, "Well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be playing bass for you guys anymore." And I don't think they ever found the bass player, but more importantly, uh, the lead singer and guitarist and the drummer, uh, they were married. And then uh, there was a lot of infidelity on the part of one of them. And then they broke up. And then he, I never talked to him again or her again. I never talked to them again. <laughs> and, and so I, I don't, I assume since they were kind of the core of the band, even though I'm back, I would be like, yeah, I would totally play with them again, I guess. But I don't think they even exist anymore. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how do, how do you like? Never mind. I just, you know what? I don't want to think about it. So, what were the names of the bands? I feel oh, like so, you came with some great names. Uh, the first one uh, was we were a box of chocolates because we were all black except for our drummer who was South African. So, thus the joke. We, we, call, we playfully called him the white chocolate. Uh, and. Uh, the other one never made it to name stage. It was more like we just kind of jammed out and then we just got to a point where it's like, hey, we could actually start putting together a set list and play places. And then I was like, yeah, that's cool, guys, but I'm going to Korea. <laughs> so maybe I'm the one who killed that one. <laughs> hey, guys, it looks like this is going to be something that's really special, but I kind of got to go. Best of luck to you. Peace. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to another country. Yeah. And the weird part is, like, I I still know a lot of people who are like, you know, musicians who still have their bands going. And then when I was in Korea, I met a bunch of musicians because I tend to hang out with those type of people. Apparently, I think that's what I attract to hang out with. Like, if I'm out at a bar, people who are, who tend to approach me all tend to be a musician, which is weird. But yeah. It's uh, I know a bunch of musicians and people who have bands. Yeah, 
I had a I had yeah. a customer I had a customer who was a guitar player and he played in a few few bands uh, some rock bands some jazz uh, you know he was you know I, apparently he had the skill I never seen him play but you know we were talking about it one day um, and I was telling him how I wanted to get my daughter drum lessons and he was like no if you want her to always have work teach her how to play bass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, everybody. He's like everybody in their mama wants to play guitar, and he's like it was really hard. Like when one band ends, it's really hard for me to find another because everybody has everybody has guitarists, but yep. like no one can find a good bass. Yep, a hundred percent true. Like you don't even have to be that good at it. Be a mediocre bass player, you will always have work. I'm a mediocre bass player. I could probably grab a bass right now. And find work. <laughs> I could grab one right now, and like I could like they're like, well, he's not great, but I mean, we gotta have a bass player, man. <laughs> like I, I joke, I jokingly say that, but like I, I literally am probably about a month away of a month away of like really going at it to being back enough to be like, yeah, I could, I could be in a band. So you're the token. Yeah, <laughs> of, of um, the the episode of South Park where mm-hmm. uh, Cartman starts the Christian rock band. That was great. And they, the, g- the, they give the, Token the bass, and he's like, "I don't play bass." He's like, All Token, black people play bass. You're black. You play bass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, a hundred percent. It's that. That's not what ha- that is. What I mean is, so they're not it's, the bass and the guitar are not so dissimilar that you can't like switch. So if you're a guitar player. And I would actually recommend learning to play guitar first and then switching to bass just because it makes you, I think it makes you a better bassist. But uh, it's not that difficult to switch. It, the only thing, like I said, was your hand positions change slightly. So it's still all the notes are in the same place, but how you approach them is different. And a guitar, you want all the all the strings to ring out when you, uh, when you finger them. God, I, I hate saying that. You want all the strings to, to ring out when you when you finger. So you don't try to mute any. It's like on, uh, something like special emphasis and certain chords. Well, like on bass, you're not playing chords. You're playing straight notes. So like you actually have to mute everything. And then you're, you're trying to be careful not to like, because you, you're going to get some vibration from the other chords. So you're kind of like just casually putting a finger over all of them. So that you're still getting your note to ring, but not like all the other vibrations from the thicker strings. It's something that I, I like really liked at one point, And I think I still really like, I just don't play anymore. Word up. Hey. Yeah, I thought you guys knew. Nope. No. No idea. No. And no idea. Mm-mm. Feel like I'm learning new things right now. Uh, no, there was a there was a whole sh- uh, so I did a whole show on it when I had the Negro Majority about um, the fact that I played bass, and I. That, was that early on? Because I don't remember that shit at all. Um. It might have been. I don't remember what number it was. I remember doing because it was a show I did by myself, and I was like, okay, so I'm just gonna talk about me. Uh, and I was like, guess what? I play bass, and I actually played a song um, at the top of the show and at the end of the show that were both uh, from band. Like one song I had done entirely on my own, and then another that I'd done with the band. So like, 
Uh, it was when I was, I literally like did a whole show where I was like, you know what? I, I feel like I'm going to open up about me. So here's stuff about me that you don't know. And then I, I did a whole show about that. That's why I assumed that you knew, but I mean, it's been a while. I, I watched a video a while ago of this older brother um, playing a 12 string fretless bass. Oh God. And what, and what he was, how he was able to make that thing sing, was fucking amazing. Yeah, that's the ones that if you uh, watch the videos of people doing like the Mario theme on bass only, they're usually like doing it on like a ten or like like a really big string. Or I guess a really big bass. So a typical bass is four string. Six is considered like like a really big bass, but like a ten or more has that giant that giant neck on it. Yeah, and like it just—it it just looks like a two by four. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's insane. It looks—it it looks like a like a xylophone or or a zither, I think, like just a stringed instrument. But it's it's sick what they're able to do with it, and that's like I my favorite is like the Mario theme on that because they can do like the full like range of the theme, and it is insane. I just and I I looked it up and I, I just saw someone just playing the Mario theme. I didn't I didn't play it, but I did see the Mario theme. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know worth checking out. Not right now, obviously, but yeah, there's a bunch of really cool stuff that like especially video game themes. I think can be really well done um, on like the larger basis. And that was I used to yeah, like because, because like Nintendo is just it's bleeps and bloops, so right. it's not like. And with that, that larger neck like that, just the range that you have on that is, is sick. I think people don't realize the range of the guitar. I guess a bass has uh, by itself. Like you can, I used to be able to do like some very guitar-like stuff by just running it through a distortion and using the top two strings uh, of my bass. And you would think that like uh, it was just someone playing guitar because it is. It's just the way you play it and, and what you do with it. A white woman got her ass whooped on a bus for yelling out for calling somebody a nigger. In Washington, D.C. Oh, they got video of her saying the word nigger, and then the video cuts out, and then the next video shows her bloody and bruised on the sidewalk. Uh, uh, did you uh, uh, do you see that uh, video? It's like some some white dude yeah. is is in another country doing the same shit. Like, how you gonna go to somebody else's country and start calling them niggas and going to fuck off in a restaurant? Did you hear about the white dude getting beat by police talking about y'all are treating me like a black person? You know what? I I the only thing I can say about that is I'm just glad he said black person. <laughs> I guess at that moment he was like, "I get why they're kneeling now." Oh my god! No, you understood the whole time, motherfucker. <laughs> you just didn't care because it didn't happen to you. Which is crazy because, like, if you look at the, the stats for the people that the police have killed currently this year, I think it's like five sixty four. Or in the 500s, so don't quote me on that. But the stats for like people of color or just black people actually is it's like 20 percent of that, like at 122, which is still disproportionate. But that's a lot of like 
like people like not black people getting shot by the police armed and unarmed but the the others are not put on display right we end up having to watch the others or watch ours i guess yes it's a for real problem that i think like is endemic of how we treat the service of police in general are we are we having this conversation i'm not sure i feel like we should but it's up to scar wow what all scar we can i mean like i feel some kind of way about it uh obviously and i've had my issues with the police over the years and i assume i'm gonna have more as i continue getting older uh but i feel like it's it's something that for whatever reason there's this immediate rush to protect the police i guess because we think of their job as being uh, very dangerous which it is but we are too willing to give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to how they go about doing their job and it's almost like we we glorify this concept of like yeah maybe they're a little dirty but they're stopping criminals so it's okay i mean we do the same thing with the military <laughs> yes we do but i think the effects of that uh are felt uh where the military is is stationed and deployed and the effects of of it with the police are felt where the police are stationed and deployed yeah. And can we talk about this whole fucking lip sync challenge nonsense on fucking Facebook? All these fucking police stations, uh, police stations, and all of these other places are doing these fucking videos where they're just kind of singing songs and pretending like they hang out with the fucking community and shit. And I'm just like, yo, if y'all actually did more shit like this, we wouldn't be having the problems that we have with y'all. If y'all well, well, actually engage with y'all community outside of wanting to record a fucking lip sync video, then actually we could probably like come to a some sort of a, a, a an agreement of how no, no, this the, the problem be. isn't the problem very much isn't their community outreach. It's the fact that when they come into our neighborhoods, they leave us dead, and there's no consequences for it. The problem is that if you're black, the rules don't apply to you the same way they apply to someone who is white or if you're a person of color the rules don't apply to you the same way or if you're outwardly but if you but if but if you're a part of the community you don't see them as other which means you are less likely to just kill them i think i, I think that's that's still incorrect uh just because of so there's been research and studies that have shown that statistically even with police officers who are part of the community uh they are trained or we're wired to think that when we see someone who's black they're more of a threat and a black man tends to be more threatening to people uh, than a white man is perceived to be to be or a man of color is perceived to be more threatening to people than uh, 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 someone who's not who, a person who's I guess white would be and that perceived threat translates into an over uh, application of, of force and then also it translates into uh, a quote-unquote understanding of why that force happened 
So when someone shoots a, a black man uh, after he pushes him down while trying to protect his family, you, the, the police officer didn't even question, or I guess the sheriff didn't even question whether or not he felt truly threatened for his life. Well, a black man pushed him on the ground. Of course he was threatened for his life. I mean, look, he was a black man. And I think it's that, that mentality throughout all of our society that means that even when we go to court, when we make it to court, it's still we're perceived as have been a threat and that we should have been treated the way we were treated and that we should be shot. And then every time you see like this perceived mentality of this show up, no one wants to address the fact that like we all see these people as threats. And because of that, we're just basically allowing these people to continue to be oppressed and killed. And, and, and the crazy thing is like the, the um, this happened to me at work. Um, one one of the bosses, uh, one of the owners of the company that I work for, is staunch Republican Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. He's about that life. He's, I mean, outside of outside of his political views, he's actually a cool dude, kind of a redneck, um, but like he's he's an actual cool dude. Um, he was talking to another coworker, both white about that stand your ground nonsense yeah and when i mentioned that stand your ground doesn't really work for black people they both looked at me like what the fuck do you mean oh Oh, man that's why i was talking about the basketball thing that's what i was getting to there was an old black man that was sitting in there inside the uh when we were waiting for everybody else to show up or whatever, uh, after the administrator came in and he was, um, a, a soldier retired military and out of nowhere, out of no fucking where this old man who has to be like 66, 65, something like that. Black dude goes into a long, long ass rant about how Colin Kaepernick and everybody, all the black folks in the NFL are wrong for kneeling and uh, how their owners own them and how they own the team and how you can't do stuff like that if you don't own the team and just a long ass. And I was just looking at like, on the one hand, I want to comment. On the other hand, this isn't going to go well. On the other hand, he's old. And so I just sat there and listened to this old man and then I I decided instead to take another approach and I decided to just look around while he was talking and there were like five or six white coaches who were just nodding their heads and I was like you sons of bitches this is fucking deflating like right like because it was like okay on the one hand you're wrong but i'm not gonna break it down to you why because he was like the i fought for the flag and the flag means something to me so same thing you know so when you kneel during the national anthem you're uh going against me and i was at first no no it's police brutality you know that but then i was like you know what it's not gonna go anywhere during this basketball meeting so i'm just gonna sit back and let him go and instead all these white people who are going to be training young black kids were just sitting there nodding, and I'm just like, oh, 
Y'all are y'all are y'all are teaching these kids. Y'all are y'all are gonna be leading these kids for at least three months. Yeah, and just instilling oppression in them. Exactly. Nobody's supposed to be here. It was just it was so frustrating because you know you you know inherently okay I'm not gonna argue with an elder even when they are wrong. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why a lot of old folks get past is because we've had it installed in us at a very young age to respect our elders. And even if we don't want to, it's still there. Um, yeah, I, I still have that moment where I'm like, well, you're older. Let me give you a, a moment or a chance. But increasingly, as I get older, I stop doing that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dumbass older people. The fact where it was like he was a voice for the white folks to not start nodding and speaking about what they were talking about. Like, out of nowhere, this other white guy was like, I'm also a military brother. And I was like, I wish you would say something. He sounded like he was about to stand up like that dude in the uh, in the uh, Saturday Night Live uh, skit about uh, have you hugged a black man today? Um it sounded like he was about to stand up and say, I want to be devil's advocate. And it was like, don't do that. Don't. I'm giving this dude a pass, but you're not going to get too many. I don't know. It was just, it was, it was disappointing to me to actually hear this dude. And, and he ended it off by saying, and I quote, he's the primary reason I voted for Trump. Oh, oh. Oh Oh my. Now, when you say the primary reason, that means he's not the whole reason. (laughs) Not even that. Just the fact that. You voted for Trump? One. And then two, like. uh, That's a reason for you to vote for someone? Because he called, like, a bunch of men with jobs who happen to be black sons of bitches you were like yep hooray that's the person i want have you seen the videos of these people white people that are really fucking excited about the space force shit and 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 none of them know exactly what the fuck it's supposed to be it just to them i guess it sounds like a good idea it's like what part of this what part of this sounds okay to you? Like in a hundred years, I think this is a great idea. And I'm not even joking. I think yeah, in a hundred years we probably are gonna need to do something like this. But this is not right now. Right now, like we still can't figure out uh with some certainty, at least according to the White House, we can't figure out with some certainty that like the planet's getting warmer. But y'all wanna invest money leaving? Why why do you wanna leave? This is where you wanna stay at, right? Like we still haven't really uh, gotten to a point where you can drink water in Flint. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I feel like. Why don't we have like a, I don't know, uh, uh, an agency that would protect the environment to help? Pre- oh, we do, but we don't have any money invested in that. Because like, they keep taking money away. Yo, for fucking I saw this, what? Yo, yo, I saw this shit. Right? Okay, so. Um, I, I went, I went with my girl cause, um, her, her sister took the airport out of Richmond to go, uh, 
visit her daughter and her grandkids. And so she left her car here. So we uh, went to um, drop the car off in the airport parking lot so that she could just, you know, take her whip and go home. Because yeah. she was getting in at like one o'clock in the morning or some shit like that. Right. Yeah, that's the the smart move. So, I don't want to. So, so we par- pick you up at one. Right. So we so we parked the car, and there's a there's a SUV right beside it. It's a it's a all I, I, I'll never forget. It's an all white Santa Fe, a 2010 Santa Fe. Huh. And on the back uh-huh. of this, there's a bunch of stickers on the back of this car. And right beside each other are two very conflicting stickers, and I was very fucking confused about this. Um, there is, on the left, there is a Keep America Great Again uh, Trump 2020 sticker. And to its immediate right is a Save the Bees sticker. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, because you know, like bees are dying and yeah. it's gonna fuck. Yeah, them. yeah, but like, yeah. So like, these two stickers are side by side on the back of this fucking Santa Fe, and I'm like, wait, you are advocating to keep voting for the guy that's getting rid of the people that are supposed to try to protect this stuff while advocating for protecting the fucking bees? What are we doing here? What the fuck is wrong with people? I feel like they don't care about the bees as much as they care about keeping America white. Bruh, either they don't know, don't show, or don't care. About what's really going down with the bees? About keeping the bees safe in the hoods that they don't go into because they don't really want to fuck with us because they're trying to keep America white. That's the whole thing. No, it's it's people prioritizing their own... I I assume... Right. Their, I was going to say racial uh, tension or their own need for racial uh, safety over the needs of everyone else. So instead of thinking, oh, hey, we should probably try to take care of the, the planet that we're on and make sure that we all like have food and education and you know roads and all that stuff that we need and that we all can just live our lives, instead of doing that, uh, no, let's just fuck everything. Uh, let's live being white as long as we can. And then once everything is gone, well, we got everything we could out of it. So fuck all y'all. We're out. Space Force. Hey, yo, one of my one of my coworkers was uh, really fucking pissed that um, that forty five canceled his little military parade. Oh my god, it was ninety two million dollars for that bullshit for nothing. It should like there should be no amount of money spent for a parade. Like, so they were like, "Well, we were thinking twelve million, and I was like, twelve million? Why? Who benefits from this? Like, who's like, who's directly impacted by a parade?" Exactly. Ah, I think well, it's the same way that he keeps doing all these stupid ass rallies. Like, those aren't free either. I mean, they're right. not that big. They're, he, they're not a huge he, amount of money in, in the in the span of things, I guess. But he does well, them like sec- every other week. He does. But like the security for him. It's like security nigga, you for him won. Why are you city? still doing rallies? Because he's, he's, he's trying to, he's, he literally is trying to keep going for, tw- he has never stopped campaigning. He's literally running for 2020 right now. It just doesn't make any sense. 
I don't I don't understand this at all. And the and the worst part about it is like the Democrats have nothing for twenty twenty? Well, Absolutely point, fucking nothing. At this point it doesn't it doesn't make sense for them to give him a clear run front runner because he can start just talking shit about him and I assume uh they will immediately get hacked by someone. So there's that. True. I, I, so that not giving them anybody, at least with multiple targets, they they don't they can't concentrate everything on everyone on one person. Uh, and also his whole thing right now is he won because he got enough of his voters to come out and vote in specific districts to capture the electoral college. Those districts that he had. Some of the ones that he won by uh, barely making it are slowly turning back blue because of disillusionment. You also have to factor in the fact that you have to assume that a lot of people voted for him instead of voting for Hillary or voted for someone else instead of voting for Hillary. So I think his campaigning is trying to do everything he can to turn out as many people as he can and keep them going so that he can continue this in 2020 in his eyes. I mean, it's, it's it's a strategy of a man who realizes that he's not very popular and needs a very specific amount of people to show up in very specific places. I don't understand how his how he continues to be popular with. The, I mean, I mean, he already has fans. Like even before all of this, he had fans. Right. Um. But like, all this administration does is just fucking tell blatant and obvious lies that can be just backed up with most of the lies that they tell can be figured out by a simple google search like it's not even like they're telling like some intricate lies that is hard to prove it's just like yo i can go to google and find out the answer to this shit right now like i had my, the, the the my boss the he went off one day because we were having a conversation and we were having a conversation about George Clooney, right? Uh-huh. And they were talking about how George Clooney is, like, married, got a kid, and all that other stuff. And I was like, isn't he getting divorced? And they were like, no, I hadn't heard of that. And I'm just like, well, I thought he was getting divorced. And then I said, oh, I, I, I think I saw it in one of those, like, Us Weekly or something like that while I was standing in line at Walmart. Um, and so he says to me, you believe all of that shit? And I was like, as the person around here that watches Fox News the most, how can you ask me that question? And then, and then he goes in on how, how, how Trump is great and he doesn't understand all of the hate and all of this other stuff. And then he starts telling me, um, this is like, uh, like a week ago. He starts telling me about how unemployment is so low and black unemployment is the lowest it's been in blah, blah years and all of this other shit. And then, you know, a few days ago, the mouthpiece for the administration kind of mentioned that they pretty much lied about all of that. Yeah. I think that as they continue... I, I, I always reference one of my favorite books of all time, Animal Farm. And people are like, why is that one of your favorite books? It was like, a, I guess we read it the first time when I was in ninth grade. Maybe yes. tenth grade. Uh, it was ninth grade for me. Yeah, eighth, ninth grade. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and they're like, why do you still read that book? Why do you still love it so much? And I think one of the big reasons why I love it so much is because of Napoleon and Squealer and how much they just are associated or correlate with Donald Trump and uh, whatever his, whatever the director of communications name is at this point in time. Sarah Silverman? No, wait. Um, you know, Huckabee. Huckabee Sanders. Huckabee Sanders, yeah. Um, because... It feels like every Same couple of weeks. I don't like either one of them. It feels like every couple of weeks or every couple of months, just like in the story, they change the narrative on something that they thought was such a big thing. Like in Animal Farm, they initially were like four legs good, two legs bad. By halfway through the story, they were like four legs good, or by the end of the story, they were like four legs good two legs better because the pigs learned how to walk on two legs. Um, Trump started off by saying that he fixed the uh, job, the the unemployment rate for black folks. And white folks were like, see, he did that. And then when he thought it was safe to say it, he just snuck it in real quick. Now we made that up. And they were like, it's cool. We're on to something else now, boss. It's all right. Who are we riding on now? And it's like they just keep on. It's almost artful. It's a. It's not artful. It's just a really interesting case study in what people will accept when they know they know inherently that they've been lied to, but they don't want to admit that they've been lied that they that they were lied to because they they fear that that'll make them look bad. So they just nod and kind of swallow it and move on to the next thing. And you keep on swallowing it and moving on to the next thing. And sooner or later, you've built yourself a prison that you can't get out of. Because sooner or later, something that is going to be changed is something that you're actually going to care about. And it started off honestly with, as soon as he got elected, white women were out there with those pussy hats. As soon as he got elected, they were out there doing that. And then they did the day without women. And then they just kind of, he said something that they wanted to hear and black folks said something they didn't want to hear. And so they adjusted their dial a little bit. And then he said something else and they adjusted their dial a little bit more until it was all the way to his side. And now that he's saying, you know what, I just said those things. So then y'all will stop listening to them. They, they aren't readjusting their dial to go back towards the center. The volume is all the way up for them. They can't hear logic. Right. Yeah, it's the 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 slowly change, um, the 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 most poignant uh, part of Animal Farm that connects to this administration is the change from all animals are equal to all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Yep. Yeah. That was absolutely the most. Even now, that that makes me sad when they were like, I can't. And, and it's just like that, too, because you're, hey, I can't read as well as I used to. Can you read that part for me? Can you read what we've always been told? Can you just read that one segment for me? And this one mule who never read for anybody but has seen everything because Benjamin had seen everything that happened in that farm. And he was like, there's never been a good leader here. There's never been a good master. And he finally read for them who couldn't read for themselves. And it was just like, he's been doing this, y'all. Trump's been doing this, y'all. 
And I mean, honestly, I am not going to stand here and be like, um, I'm not going to champion Omarosa coming out of nowhere and all of a sudden saying, hey, black folks, I got all these secrets that I'm going to put in my book because I don't feel like she's doing it for us. What do you have to tell us that we don't already know? That Trump used the N-word? All right. Like, we kind of understood that. Like That and honestly, like, all she's doing is what she's always done is she is going where she can get the most gain. And then once she can't anymore, she has overstayed her welcome. Then she goes and tries to get more gain elsewhere. She's done. She does this. This is what she does. You know why? I don't really trust her. Every time, like, I know everything she's ever done, everything she's ever done, and, like, I realize that she's just completely untrustworthy. But every time I watch, like, an interview with her, like, I walk away from the interview thinking, like, oh, yeah, no, that worked pretty well. I guess maybe. And I'm like, wait, no, no. And that's why I don't trust her, because if you watch her on television, she she is so charismatic that she, she will make you think that, oh, maybe we should give her the benefit of the doubt. And that's a person that you can't trust. Right. Did you see the Eric Trump tweet in the response? I don't. I don't pay attention to Eric Trump. I think he's oh, no, I only, Trump saw, I only saw the I headline. Hate disloyal people, and they were like, "Yo, daddy's been disloyal to your mama, nigga." <laughs> Yo, they said he put that shit out, and in minutes, he had over ten thousand tweets back to him saying the same thing. <laughs> your, your dad cheated on your mom, fam. Like, what is you talking about? Uh, and, and your uh, stepmom. Right. And, and your uh, stepmom. Your dad has cheated on everyone he's ever made a commitment to, including the American people. Exactly. If you hadn't said it, I was gonna say it. Oh, we gotta we gotta sleep in the beds. We we we're not we're no longer sleeping in the barn because we think better in the house. Oh yeah, we're we're sleeping in the beds, but we're not sleeping under blankets, which is one of the rules we put up on the wall. We're sleeping under sheets, which is much much less comfortable. Let me tell you, Sarah Huckabee Sanders will go down after her time in the White House is over. I guarantee you, she is going to suffer a lot more fallout from her actions than Donald Trump ever will. I disagree. There will always be a conservative lane for her because for one thing, I will say that she has, she has not damaged her own credibility because everything that she has said in this case, unlike Sean Spicer, instead of him saying, well, I'll say this or I believe she has made sure that she's never talked about how she felt or believed. She's been nasty and terrible about it, yes, but she's never really damaged her own credibility and never taken stances that she couldn't defend. Uh, I think, again, there will always be a conservative lane for her. That It's unfortunate, but they will embrace her as soon as this is all, no matter what happens with this, they will just embrace her and she'll, she will dodge and continue to thrive. It's, it's uh, you want consequences for, her, but she's. I mean, in in order for her to survive after, uh, she uh, after her time is up, she's gonna have to go full Fox News. Exactly. There's not super. She doesn't have another safe haven. And you're saying that 
she'll be just fine. But she'll be just fine as long as she stays all the way to the right. Like, there's going to yeah. be people who are never going to forgive her for this. And Well, I mean, did you think she ever wouldn't be? No, I'm just saying, like, there's... I feel like in a lot of cities and states, there's a skewing, of course. Like, there's some states where there's more Republicans than there are Democrats, and there's some states where there's more Democrats than there are Republicans. But in the more metropolitan areas... There's more Democrats than there are Republicans, and I just feel like she's going to be shunned by a lot more of them. And I don't think that her run on Fox News is going to be as grand as they may as as we may want it to be, based on the fact that a she's not a blonde-haired, skinny woman, and b True. people have made so much fun of her at this juncture that Fox News, you know, their their image is everything to them. So I don't think she may have that lane. Well, I, I don't know if that's her only lane. I think she is. She's shown herself, first of all, as uh, capable as being a press secretary for uh, the president of the United States, one of the most contentious and one of the most contentious times between the president and the media. Uh, I think the fact that, again, she hasn't hurt her own credibility. I think there's always going to be a lane for her within um, like conservative administrations and, and politi- politics and policies. Uh, I, it, I don't know if there's going to be another Republican president um, that she can work for, um, but I would imagine that she probably could work for uh, any Republican who needed someone in administration, I guess a, a press or even a communications director in his office. I'm pretty sure any conservative Republican would be thrilled to have her work for him. Uh, particularly the ones that are trying to portray themselves as being more in the image of Trump. Um, so, uh, th- and that's what I mean. Even after, you know, after Trump is gone, I think there's still going to be uh, some. There's there's still going to be uh, you know the echoes of his influence, and there's still going to be people who would want who would be happy to hire her. So uh, I don't think she's banned entirely from politics. I was hoping mm-hmm. she'd go out as a whipping girl, but I was thinking also more like her working in a college or something like that. Oh, oh no, that no. <laughs> I don't think she'll ever work in a college. And honestly, oh, she, 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 she could go, go to Liberty. Liberty. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Honestly, it ain't like she's hurting for money either. No. no, her daddy is Mike Huckabee. I mean, they rich, so. And, and she, uh, unless, unless I'm mistaken, mistaken she, she she actually uh, is she a lawyer? lawyer? I don't know, but I know that I, I wonder how much people would get paid to be like the chief of whatever in the White House. I think top salaries are like uh, one hundred eighty thousand. Yeah, I was under the impression like it's not like they get paid millies. But, but I mean, so you already got to be rich in order to be there in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she has a, a degree in political science and mass communications. She fucked those up. Nah, I think she, she still can do that. that. No, nah, she can't communicate worth the damn. <laughs> I, okay. So, so I feel like you got a little bit of animosity towards her. I'm saying again. 
I don't, I don't, I don't think, think, think she's, from, from a, a professional, professional standpoint, I don't think she's done anything that's actually terrible other than her choice to work for Trump. Trump. In her capacity, I think she's done nothing but actually legitimately good work. Uh, her aggressiveness towards the, towards the media is clearly dictated by the tone that her, her boss has taken. I think her strategy in answering questions that are honestly just... The, the line, line that she has to take is, is a, a pure lie. I think the way that she, she goes into it has not damaged her credibility. And, and, and again, from a, a purely professional evaluation of it, I think she's she's going to be fine. She's done campaign management before. Like I don't see her not finding a job. I want to believe... I, I know, I know. Like, like you, you want, want, you want nothing but the worst for her. For her but no, she... no, no. I want to believe you're right. No, no. I, I mean, I don't, honestly, in the long run of things, there are a ton of Republican and Democrat employees who are now working somewhere that I don't even fucking know where they're at, and it doesn't really matter. Here's her salary, by the way: one hundred sixty-five thousand a year. Golly. I just felt like you get paid more to be on like. The front line like that. <laughs> no, no, but like, you, get, you, you get paid through all of the you basically endorsements that you get on the back end. Wrangler. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me that Sean Spicer should be endorsed by Wrangler jeans. I think it's uh, I think that and you just kind of get paid for no, no, that, connections. That Jordash money is way too much for Wrangler. So it's the connections. Like, look at Michael Cohen. He got paid for just being able, being able to say he knew Trump. We are now at the age of there's really only two video games in the world, fellas. Overwatch oh. and Fortnite. Fortnite. I play neither. Right. I don't play video games anymore. Yeah, you're going to keep saying that. It's like Scar, who used to say he didn't watch he didn't watch sports. I don't. Jay, you got anything on your phone? Well, okay, that's true. Uh, I play cricket on my phone when I get bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I guess I don't. I'm not. I don't game like I used to. So like, I get the whole. I don't know. I, I still appreciate that their their art form. I, I just feel like I don't want to spend the money on it. I, I'd rather spend my money on other stuff. Game Pass, nigga. Nah, not even that. Like it's the, the time and the money that takes. Like I, I just rather devote all that towards other things. Not playing the bass. No. You know I own a guitar. And, and I have never had any thought towards actually pulling it out of that case. We have an acoustic that's here that I keep tuned because I like to play around occasionally when I get bored. So like that, I'll pick it up just to see if I, what I can remember how to play. But yeah, no, I just I, I, most of my time is gone towards uh, this this whole other thing I'm working on. So yeah, I miss playing the drums, man. 
I just ain't got nowhere to put them in here. And and my rock band drums are in my storage unit, so I can't even do that. Have you thought about just getting like a a pad set? No. No, no, like the pad set is the ones where like, I know, it doesn't make, I know, I know like, what you're talking about. Noise, like, like, doesn't make noise, doesn't make noise, doesn't, yeah, you, can, you still I think, play. I think rock band drums is the, like, the bare minimum for me to actually feel like I'm playing drums. Okay, okay. The pad set would be like rock band, just no noise. It would be so easy for me to just envision what our futures would have been like if we, like I hear y'all talking about things and I'm like, you know what? If one thing had gone differently, that could have been y'all, and y'all would have been really good at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Scar, everything that I hear about you screams, I'm a music producer. Or I'm a drummer. Like, that's really the, like, your love. Like, not art. I mean, I know you're really good at it. Like I said, you're talented at damn near everything that you try. But you know, my brother said that to me yesterday. You've never noticed it? No, I just, you know, I just kind of do stuff. And I just, I'm, because, well, like, we've had this conversation before. I never think of anything I do as really that good. So it's different for me to to hear y'all say it is one thing. But internally, I never think of anything that I do as that good. Think your ear for music is amazing, and uh, your eye for art is amazing, and it all comes together to form what should be somebody who's really good at producing and creating music. I had a moment yesterday. I had a moment yesterday where, um, uh, you know, I, I went, I drove to Hamptons um, yesterday, so I was just listening to music in the car, and most of the time I was listening to um, my rock music playlist. Mm-hmm. And um, How You, you like, like Me Now by The Heavy came on. Which is... Love that song. It's, it's, it's fucking dope. dope. Also, I mean, the first time I ever heard it is the is the um, the closing theme to Borderlands. That's, That's the first time I ever really heard it. Um, I, I was listening to it, and then I stopped it, and then I started talking to Pooh Bear about how I feel music. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, like, you know, I'm talking to her because her and I are, are, are a lot alike, a, 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 a whole lot alike. And like, I'm trying to explain this to her. And she's in, in, in the beginning, she's questioning it. Like, what are you talking about? And then I was just like, did you like feel like the funk in it? Like, you know, like, it's, it's I mean, you know, and trying to explain how I, how I feel feel music instead of just hearing it and then when i said like it was funky something clicked in her brain and was like that's exactly what i was thinking and then i almost cried and like and then the conversation from there was like trying to help her understand that feeling i got a little emotional see passing on your legacy I just, I just, I don't know. It, the same way, it it makes me really, really happy that Gogo sees beauty. You know, a couple days ago, 
I was at a kid off from school and uh, I saw a bee sitting on a fence. And it was like this gray and black bee. I had never seen a bee this shade before. And so I just started snapping pictures of it. And people were just walking around me because this is on the walkway to get to his, uh, to get to the fence to enter his school. People are walking around me like, what are you seeing? And this bee is just sitting there posing quietly, peacefully, just sitting there. So I got like four or five shots and posted them up. And then I saw just like, uh, sounds so stupid when you say it out loud. A drop of water that reflected something. And I tried to capture it. And the only person that I thought of that I need to show those to was Gogo. She sees beauty everywhere like I do. And it's 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 like in another world, in another life, in another way, I would have loved to have been an artist. I have drawings that I did and I just set them to the side. But it's like no better, no no better, better time than the present. present. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm living, living proof that, that like you, if if you, you want to pick this thing up and do it, you can do it, it and you can be successful, successful at it. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I uh, you know what? Um, you, I admire you, Scar, because you don't you have that Virgo in you where it's like I don't give a fuck what people say or what people think about me true and I'm going to do this until I don't want to do it anymore and then when I don't want to do it anymore I'm just not and there's nothing you can say I'm I don't even know I doubt it's Capricorn I don't know what it is it's just I'm gonna do this until somebody says why the fuck are you doing this or until enough people just ignore it or until depression slaps me in the face and says that it's ugly or it gets in my head that I don't like it because no one else likes it. I, you know what? I was, I was getting close to hitting the art wall. Like I did a little, I did a little something and it was just like, okay, but I just, what, what I did in order to get past it is I did that challenge in April where I forced myself to do one every day. Until, until I got, got uh, until, until I got, got around my own feelings about it, it, it became, became a, it started off, it was a chore. It was a chore, but I'm forcing myself to do this. And I wasn't really forcing myself to do it to be, to get better at it. It was a challenge to myself to see if I can complete it and get, and actually do one every day for a month. Yeah. <clears throat> and, 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 and then it became and then it, it changed from a chore to a to a habit and eventually became something that like I, I connected to in some way. Yeah, like that's kind of what happened to me when I did the uh, the Nano Remo, which was like the National November write a novel in a month like for November. Uh, wait, that's, that's redundant. redundant. Anyway, so when I did that, uh, it was like the the finishing of a complete novel for, um, in like 25 days was like kind of insane. And but it was like, I was just every day. I was like, Oh, I got to write this many words. And it, it helped me like solidify, like how to, how to outline. It helped me solidify um, like, like for lack of a better way to put it, like how to fill pages. 
like how to like add things to stories that add it to the story itself. Um, like that's how uh, I, I had this the entire all the dream sequences that got written into the book were written because I was writing every day and I was like, well, I need, I need pages. And I was like, what can I add to this that's going to like give something to the book and have something? And I started writing all these dream sequences with like symbolism in it and like taking a couple of minutes to like look up like, oh, what what numbers or what colors or what things signify death and, and signify different things and, and i ended up writing these insane dreams dream sequences that i, I really kind of love they're like my favorite parts of the book now uh and, and that that really came from just buckling down and fighting through it and i think if we're going to hold the analogy of, of just the the types of people we are just based on horoscopes i think i i just get insular because i'm a cancer so i, I don't care what the world thinks, I just build all inside and with me, and then when I share, after that I'm done with it. Usually, I'm usually like when I had finished the book, I didn't care what people thought about it anymore because I I got to create it all within myself. And I think that's, I don't know. I think I think though that the the answer is really just kind of like like leaning into it. Like you're always gonna hit those those points where it's like I don't want to do this anymore, but you just kind of lean into that and you keep going. I really yeah, admire y'all for that. It, 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 start, it, it starts, starts with, with like, like oh, I gotta make a painting today, today. and then it goes from okay, I, 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 I can do this, I got it. it. Then eventually it becomes okay. I'm gonna use this color. I'm gonna use that color. Yeah. I'm gonna use it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was sitting at work thinking of like, okay, I, I, okay. So I already got a list. Like I'm, I pulled up my on Google Keep and I put like a checklist in of color combinations that I wanted to use. And it's just like, okay, so which one do I get to use today? Like towards like towards like the last about ten days of the month, it was just like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. that. No, now it didn't all quite work out. out. Like my um my Infinity Gauntlet uh ones did not come out the way that I would have liked. But just the idea of like you, it's a it's a process, and you know you're going to hit a wall. But when you but when you when you commit to like, like doing it for a stretch, stretch of time, time. like, like for, for, for for both of us, we we, we committed to doing something for a month, month. every day for a month, and like you're going to hit that wall. wall. There are days, especially in the early days, I was like, I really don't want to do this, but I made a commitment, and my whole obligation to doing some of those things was for me to keep the commitment, and like. One of the one of the most uh, one of the paintings that I got the most likes on, I absolutely did not want to do that day. Like I absolutely the red, black, and white one, I absolutely did not want to do that day. Not at all. Like I was just like, you know what? I'm just taking red, black, and white. Fuck it. I see. You know, my coworker had on some Jordans that day. You know what? I'm just gonna do that. Fuck it. Yeah. And, and then, then like, like that, that turned into me selling a, a, a that turned into me selling a five piece set all with those colors a five piece sixteen by twenty set with those colors just because just that one day I was just like you know what I'm just gonna do this. Yeah, you really do have to kind of believe in yourself and and just go like 
it's it's not always going to be easy. And, and I think sometimes when you see the outcomes of stuff of people who do things, you always see like, oh, well, this person wrote this and did that. But like, there's I think especially for writing, it's like days where there's been weeks where it's just like I just. I was, I was like, like I, I, I sat down and started writing. writing. I was like, nope, I can't do it. And and, and then you just kind of have to like channel that towards right, trying to write something else, write like try to write something new, do some writing exercises. There are times I'm like, all right, I can't do that, but let me try to write this. And and then I think it's it's when you find the thing that you're that you're really kind of trying to chase, you have to grind it. And it's it's like they talk about like once you get what the ten thousand hours of doing something, you're considered a master. Like, like you have, have to put those put, put in that ten thousand hours worth of work. You, you, you want to know what what changed it for me? me? What, what really changed everything for me was I realized in the course of doing this painting a month thing that people aren't as trash as I believe them to be. Because my my goal was my goal was to share everything. Like, like there, there was times where I was making two and three paintings because like I had extra paint left, so, so I just decided to do something else with it. And like there was times where I was just like, yeah, I totally fucked this up. Like I totally fucked this up. Okay, so I did another one, and then I had a little bit of paint left, so I did an eight by ten. It was the people that actually was go that that actually went. I really like that one. I don't I don't I don't see the same thing that you see in it. Like, like mm-hmm. because you know, you know because, because of course I secretly hate everything I've ever done, but like up top, like the 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 it was the the people who aren't as trash as I believe them to be, um that that were just like no I see you know like like what you said I see the beauty in that yes you believe it's messed up yes you understand that you messed you messed up the mixture of your paints on this one so like the the, the you know, you know my, I was having all kinds of problems with my white mixture I couldn't get it right uh through a lot of the paintings um but people saw that as something else there was one that I that I made and when I look at that painting it looks like a fucking disease to me but, but people love that shit like, like, I absolutely love that shit. And I was just like, well, this, this looks like, like this looks like what I believe syphilis looks like on the fucking slide. You know what I mean? Like, oh. <laughs> we got syphilis on the track. Like, <laughs> Dan's called the syphilis slide. To the left, to the left. Oh, now scratch. Now scratch. Now scratch. Ointment. Uh, ointment. Scratch, cross. <laughs> Everybody, Everybody wear, wear a condom. condom. <laughs> uh, I I really want that to be a real song now. <laughs> I actually I actually released I actually released uh um well I released two out of the three I made three paintings um a a little while ago um and I was trying new paint I tried a, a better uh paint. Like, like I was using student paint instead of using the normal craft paints that I was using before. And I completely fucked all of these up. And so I posted it to the Discord and was just like, yeah, I recorded videos, but I don't really want to put them shits out. 
and someone was just like no like the like un- like knowing and understanding the process and what you think you did wrong can actually help you here so go ahead and put the go ahead and put the videos out you will watch them and you know and and we can let you know what's really happening here and i'm just like but why would anybody want to see me fuck up three paintings cuz they like and but it's but and then and it turned out to be helpful. So when I actually put the 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 videos out, you know, I made I'm making jokes about it. I call it you know a tragedy in three acts. But like, you know, like the the reception that I'm getting from it, with people sending me messages and in the Discord and stuff like that, is completely different than what I thought it was going to be. I yeah. thought people. I thought people were gonna feel about them how I felt about them, and it turned out there's just nothing close to reality. Yeah, yeah. Like artist subjective. I honestly, everything I've, I've written that I, I, what ends up happening is I finish it. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, and I let someone else read it. And I don't think it's that great. And then after people read it, they're like, oh my god, this is great. You need to do stuff with this. And I end up. Trying to make it into something more than it is. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, it's, I generally finish stuff and I'm thinking, all right, yeah, this is cool. Now, now what? Uh, and it's always kind of turned into to bigger things, um, just mainly because other people see it, and I never think it's worth it. But like you write then, one chapter and you move on to the next, and they're like, "This is the best thing I ever read." Or you, you should do more, and then you try and recreate what you wrote in the first place. But that vibe that you had when you wrote it in the first place isn't there anymore, and it's like, uh, oh, oh, yeah, yes, yes and no. no. So, so I don't. That's, that's why, why I don't let people read incomplete, incomplete work. work. So, so like, if I have a chapter, I generally won't let you read it. Uh, it would have to be I've written the full book, and now I'm done, or I have intentions to finish. Uh, uh, there's a couple of things I've, I've, I've letting people let people write just because I was in the middle of writing it and I, I intended to finish it. But if I only had a chapter and I wasn't going to finish it, you wouldn't be. I wouldn't let anyone read it because it's, it's unfinished. It's the finished works I think that where like like for instance for the novel, uh, I have an aunt who just her and her old book club like love that entire that entire book and they were like, oh, we want more books like this. And it was one of those things where I was like, I don't know if I want to write anymore. Like, like, like true, true story. story. Uh, I, don't I don't like writing mysteries because, because uh, surprise, 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 there has to be a mystery in it. <laughs> Those suck. I don't know if you're aware of, of this. If you've ever tried to write a mystery or if you've read a mystery and like, man, I wonder how they come up with that. Yeah, me too. Which why I don't like to write them. Like, it, it takes too much work and effort to try to like figure out like what am I hiding and what am I not hiding. It's I don't enjoy it. So I don't want to write more of them. But, but, you know, there are people who want to read more. So, so I, I assume, like, at some point, like, I actually tried to, to write about a chapter of it. And then I, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to finish this. I don't want to write any more any more mysteries. No, thank you. So the moral of the story is, mysteries suck. It's not a mystery, y'all. It's just, it's just the way things are. It's not, it's not a mystery, mystery but if you look, look back, back in history, history mystery sucks. sucks. Oh no, I just I I strongly feel like I need to stop worrying about what other people think about my shit. But then I worry about what people think about my shit because I'm in my own head 
thinking about my own shit, and it's just it's it's shitty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I one hundred percent understand where you're coming from with that, that. But, but I'm also, I'm also the type that's gonna be, gonna be like, like well, well, only matters, matters what I think. Fuck, fuck them. Right, right. Like, like that's. At some, At some point, point, you have to take the stance of, like, I'm happy with where this is. Like, I made something I like. Bro, that was the rest of you, I'm super happy with it. I'm yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Like, the rest of you are lucky that you got a chance to be part of this <laughs> to even know this existed. Just go full Dragonfly Jones. It is a pleasure for you to meet me. A hundred percent. Like, and that, that you really do have to take, like, if you like it, cool. If you don't like it, well, guess what? I fucking loved it. And, and that's the, the stance I'm taking with, with uh, I Died Before It Was Cool. It's like, I don't care if you liked it. I I wrote what I wanted to write. I cast who I wanted to cast. I played, like, you know, it I came out the way I wanted to come out. Fuck everybody who doesn't like it. I loved it. And I don't care if you don't love it. Yeah, that's about it. I think that sums it up rather well. <laughs> 